following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. It's peak season for asparagus, which pairs perfectly with a light and crisp rosé. Many bottles of champagne and sparkling wines are perfect for adult Easter baskets. And they're really cute, too. My perfect brunch? Belgian waffles with extra whipped cream and a holiday pour of your sweetest rosé. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine & More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! Welcome to the Forbes Sports Money Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ozanian. On this show, we talk about the business of sports. It's my great honor to have Ed Horn today. He is the Executive Vice President of Endeavor Global Marketing. Ed, thanks a lot for joining us today. Mike, it's good to be with you. Now, you know, I'm a huge, huge hockey fan, so I know this isn't what we were supposed to talk about. Uh, but I got to go back to your days in the NHL, and you were a referee there, actually. Well, it it goes back uh, a long time now, but yeah, er, er, early when I was um, much uh, much younger, uh, I refereed uh, throughout uh, the minor leagues, and I refereed in Olympics, and uh, uh, was uh, was was pretty involved. So uh, it's uh, it's a great sport, still in my blood, uh, and I still love it. Now you know. Okay, so you and I are big both NHL fans. What's your take on the NHL not being in the Olympics this year? You know, I, I guess I've got a little bit of in, inside perspective because I was actually at the league and uh, and part of uh, when the decision was first made to send the players to the Olympics. Um, there really are two sides to it. On on the one hand, it is such a great uh, world platform for the game to take the players, wrap them in their country's flag. It's just it's such a great platform for the NHL and for NHL uh, players. Uh, the flip side of that, really, I guess, from an ownership perspective, is the fact that you're putting your most precious commodity, uh, you know, your players, in a position where, you know, they risk injury. Uh, you have to shut your league down for two-plus weeks, depending on, uh, you know, what geography the games are in. And there hasn't yet, at least in terms of everything I saw was involved with, ever been a measurable uh, impact in terms of ratings or attendance or those things that have come out of the game. So, uh, you know, I if... If in the future, you know, when the games are closer to North America and North America, will that change the decision? Perhaps. But, uh, you know, as a hockey fan, it's a shame. Uh, I'm disappointed. But from the business perspective, I, uh, I understand a little bit more about uh, what that decision is all about. Yeah, and I may be wrong, Ed, but was it John Travaris of the Islanders, their star uh, the last time, who actually got hurt, I think, in the Winter Olympics? And, it, and obviously that had an impact on the team, if I recall correctly. Yeah, you know, that... that you know those types of situations are the ones that you know as an owner or general manager obviously get you so concerned um and you know i i think also what uh, what you wind up with is also just wear and tear on the body you know it's uh, it's a grueling couple of weeks for the players and uh you know you you question yourself if you're a general manager when you get to the end of the season or the playoffs and you have a player that looks a little tired you know would would that have been different if they weren't there so you know, I, there, there's so much debate that can go on with this and does go on with it. Um, and as I say, uh, I've, unfortunately, I guess I understand all sides of it. And breaking away to say thank you to Veridesk and Rocket Mortgage for their support of our show, Forbes Sports Money. More about those companies later in the show. You know, when I was speaking with Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, uh, a couple of months ago, you know, his big concern was the cost. He said, you know, the, the, the Olympics... 
does did not want to reimburse any of the expenses to the NHL, and and that was uh, you know a very important part of the decision, and and those costs can be substantial. So I I kind of see where it is. I, you know, for me, uh, I I I would love the Olympics to be all amateur still. You know, I I still go back to the men's. Miracle on Ice in 1980, but uh, maybe that's just simply because I'm of a different generation, you know, if you look at what's happened now over the last few decades. Yeah, it, uh, you know, there's still some, uh, you know, some romanticizing that certainly, uh, you know, you can do when you look back on, on those days. And, you know, listen, we'll see, depending on, you know, whether this is a short-term decision or something that is, uh, you know, going to be consistent throughout, you know, you, you may get your wish and, you know, those days may return. Ed, how did you go get from refereeing to the NHL? Well, uh, you know, it's, um, if, for me, it was a little bit of an interesting path because I, I refereed the uh, Calgary Olympics in 1988, uh, was in Calgary over the course of, uh, of several weeks, and, and I actually wound up uh, in situations, locations, uh, where I began to see, you know, as a as a young youngish kid, uh, that there were companies that were there and somehow, you know, uh, using the Olympics as a way to be able to improve their business, and I thought that was incredible. So, uh, when it became uh, clear a few years later that uh, you know perhaps making refereeing, uh, uh, you know, uh, wasn't going to happen uh, as a full time career, uh, I remembered back to those days and and created. Uh, you know, pursued an opportunity of uh, getting into sports marketing. And, uh, you know, it really was the impetus for me and wound up, uh, uh, you know, ultimately uh, working for an agency that uh, wound up having the NFL as a client. And at a certain point, I began to work at the NFL and moved on to the NHL. So, uh, you know, I I can certainly say that uh, the hockey and the Olympics really was the beginning of my business career. Obviously, you must have known John Collins. Uh, yeah, uh, I certainly knew uh, John Collins. Uh, John came in when uh, when I was still at the league. Um, uh, you know, I I joined uh, Gary uh, early on in his commissionership. Uh, he was there about a year or so when I came over from the NFL uh, to run the uh, the sponsorship at the NHL, and then ultimately was responsible for uh, you know really for the business side for NHL Enterprises, which is the marketing, licensing, sponsorship, the media, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then uh, prior to my departure, uh, we brought, uh, brought John in. It, uh, John, uh, I believe he, he rose to the rank of chief operating officer, if I'm not mistaken. I actually thought he was in line to eventually succeed uh, Batman as commissioner, but he left. He's now doing his own thing with the corporate hospitality firm. I think he's involved with Bon Jovi or... And, and some others in that. It's a very uh, starlit organization. But just want to say, you know, I had the privilege of meeting John several times, and he's one of my all-time favorites. Very creative guy, uh, real classy guy. And I believe the, uh, win- the uh, Winter Classic, uh, I believe that, that was John's idea, if I'm not mistaken, um, but which has been, I think, pretty successful. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Winter Classic, uh, when you think about uh, those big events that uh, really shine for the NHL and, and are uniquely, uh, you know, an identifier for the NHL, you know, the Winter Classic clearly has emerged that way. You know, for the, for the NHL, who would have thought the NHL could essentially own uh, January 1st each year? And uh, that's certainly what the Winter Classic's done. So I, I think it's been a, a tremendously um, positive um, uh, opportunity and event for the NHL. You know, Ed, the, re- the big reason why I wanted to uh, have you on was because I've seen uh, some videos 
where you've been interviewed and discuss sports marketing and so forth. And what I really love is the way you put things in a very uh, simple way. And you know, in other words, you don't use a lot of jargon and corpse speak. You, you, you speak very directly to what things are so that a person not deeply embedded in your industry, like me, uh, can understand exactly what it is you're talking about. So I want to just start right with the, the biggest news, which is in uh, January, Endeavor Global Marketing uh, purchased, I guess it was a full-service branding and marketing firm, 160 over 90, uh, which I think uh, is really going to strengthen uh, Endeavor's already world-class marketing. Can you explain what it is that your group does and how this acquisition is going to help you? Sure, sure, yeah, and we're, we're real excited about uh, the 160 over 90 acquisition. So, you know, in, in simplest terms, by the way, it's my humble New Jersey uh, roots uh, that, uh, All right. that, 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 makes, that, that that makes me, you know, simplify things, not by design. Uh, but uh, if, if, you, if you think about it, if you go back to uh, when Endeavor uh, acquired IMG, you had essentially the, the leader in, uh, in the entertainment field with, uh, with WME, and then you had the leader in sports and fashion and media in IMG, and you put those two companies together, and, and, and largely what you had was two enormous uh, organizations that, that really were very much transactional uh, in terms of the approach. You talent that you represent that is looking for endorsement opportunities. There's events that are owned and operated that need sponsors. Uh, there's, there's programming or content that's looking for advertisers or for somebody to underwrite that. And, and brands were, in, in many ways, in many cases, the end of that conversation, you know, essentially the, um, you know, the, the, the checkbook that could benefit from that. And what Endeavor Global Marketing is, what we've done and why 160 over 90 is an important part of that, is, is essentially we've created over the last number of years uh, what we believe is a world-class marketing agency. So uh, like any great marketing organization, using research and analytics to – uh, to drive to great strategy, um, creative. We've got a full creative organization. Uh, and then uh, activating against those, that word that you used, essentially how do you bring it to life, right? What, what happens on the ground in ways that is compelling for people? But, but when you look at that, there's lots of marketing agencies out there, and I'm not so naive to, uh, to think that while we think we're smart and strategic and creative that you know, there aren't lots of really good organizations. The difference for us and the reason why 160 over 90 fits in is that we're then able to bring those brands, bring those clients really way upstream, early in development in terms of creating opportunities across what we call culture, sports, film and television, fashion, uh, art, culinary opportunities. So we've got the ability to bring brands uh, into places because of the access and influence that we uniquely have uh, and be able to help them sell their service, sell their product, uh, you know, meet their, uh, their business objectives. So 160 over 90 just gives us fuel to be able to uh, to do that uh, and we're uh, we're excited about the 185 people that uh, they now represent as a way to enhance even further our strategic and our creative and our digital uh, capabilities when you when you're really wheeling and on fire and 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 you do a specific deal that you're saying you know what this is what I want the, you know us to be and and this is the uh, epitome of the right deal uh, can you give us me an example uh, of of a deal, whether it be with an athlete that you took along, like a LeBron James, or a company where you just said, you know what, if I wanted to show somebody a blueprint 
of what the perfect deal is and how it just hits on all the cylinders you just mentioned, Ed, uh, what would that deal be? Yeah, you know, there, 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 there's a whole host of them, Mike. Um, uh, you know, you mentioned LeBron James, so I'll, I'll pick up on that. Uh, so Kia is a client of, uh, of Endeavor Global Marketing. We have managed uh, for them their NBA relationships, what they've done in golf with the LPGA, help them build essentially their strategy, help them leverage what they do, with, whether it be the NBA All-Star Game or what they do with teams, but also around talent. So LeBron is a, is a perfect example of... Uh, uh, you know, of an opportunity that we're able to uh, to create for uh, for Kia. Um, you know, obviously incredibly high profile. You know, uh, the best in what he does well aligns with Kia from a from a brand standpoint. So we're able to not only create the opportunity for that deal, but then work with Kia in terms of how that comes to life. So you know, that that would be an example on the sports side and with talent. But I talk about us being a cultural marketing agency and all the stuff that we as a organization touch you know a recent example uh, would be something that we uh, just helped create with uh, with CVS and CVS uh, really taking a progressive approach to issues around uh, uh, gender equality and uh, you know natural beauty uh, we created a program uh, with and for CVS uh, called the beauty mark program and and what that will do is uh, have within the the aisles of CVS any photo touching that would be done on any product of a you know of a, of a woman or an individual on packaging will be identified as such so that pure beauty comes out right so so those are two you know areas on either side of the spectrum one you know sports and you know a high profile athlete like LeBron the other is maybe all the way at the other end of the extreme of uh, of a CVS and how they're dealing with you know current day issues but wrapped up in all of that is essentially consumer passion and culture and how all that comes to comes to pass. And back to your question on 160 over 90, th- that's why 160 over 90 and the acquisition was so important because they now have the ability to take their uh, really smart and creative organization and tap into all the access and influence that the Endeavor Network and Endeavor Global Marketing uh, is able to deliver. When you do the a deal like Kia or CVS, is that typically – you approach them because you have an idea that may fit them, or they come to you and say, look, you know, we'd like to hire you guys because we want to do X, Y, and Z, and then you present them with ideas. And then subsequent to that, you go out and reach out to a guy like LeBron because you feel like, you know, he'd be the perfect fit. And and how do you convince a guy like LeBron to come in and, and join something like that? Yeah, well, you know, it, it, it can happen in a whole variety of, uh, of ways. So, uh, you know, we, a couple of our big clients, uh, a Visa, for example, or an AB InBev, the, those were clients that we had to proactively go out and, and win the business, you know, compete with other really good organizations that, uh, you know, were, were actively trying to pursue that business as well. Then once you're inside of that business, once you're managing that, that's where some of those deals, uh, you know, come into play. So, you know, in the case of IKEA, um, you know, IKEA had been an NBA partner for a number of years. Uh, Blake Griffin had been one of their original endorsers. Uh, there was a high-end luxury car that IKEA was introducing, and you know, we we looked at the marketplace, uh, identified opportunities for IKEA to have borrowed borrowed interest uh, across the landscape and. Given the profile of LeBron, you know, it just made sense. And, you know, LeBron is a guy who likes cars, is authentic in terms of what he does. It was important for LeBron in that case to really feel good about the Kia product and, uh, you know, to feel like the car that he would be connected to was one that he would indeed drive. 
Um, and we were able to, you know, consummate a deal that, uh, you know, saw LeBron get great exposure from a national TV perspective, and Kia got the benefit of further reinforcing uh, their NBA relationship with, you know, perhaps one of the biggest stars on the planet. And we'll be right back after this quick break. It's the new year, and lots of us are at least thinking about ways in which we can be happier and healthier. Maybe we'll take in some yoga, cook up better dinners, or perhaps try a standing desk, like Veridesk. Veridesk turns your desk into a standing desk, so you're more active than sitting all day. Standing more and sitting less can lead to more energy, less back pain, and more productivity. Check out Veridesk risk-free for 30 days with free shipping both ways. See it for yourself at veridesk.com. That's V-A-R-I-Desk.com. Ed, uh, I know you obviously can't reveal actual numbers, but just in terms of how these deals work, can you please just explain the economics? In other words, you know, is it a percentage of the size of the deal that Kia would pay you? And, and does LeBron just get, or any client, if whoever the athlete may have been, does he typically get a percentage of the deal as well? But, you know, basically what I'm saying is, how does your company make money on these types of deals? Yeah, uh, so you know, we 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 are typically, uh, or oftentimes, I should say, uh, retained. So you know, we have staff against a particular client. The client is you know paying us a, a consistent, uh, you know, consistent fees over time. And then you know, oftentimes, where there are projects or where there's new opportunities, you know, that that can grow and enhance the business and and add to it. On on the on the talent side. You know, that talent has oftentimes or just about all the time, especially the higher profile uh, clients, will have a manager or have an agent that will, uh, you know, negotiate, uh, negotiate those deals. And, you know, in those cases, I, uh, I, you know, I suppose and expect that, you know, they're taking a, a commission off of, uh, you know, off of that deal. So, you know, there, there, there is no one size fits all, uh, Mike. And, and I think those organizations that are, uh, able to be most flexible, that are able to um, you know create uh, opportunities. In our case, for brands that you know make sense, and you know they can look at where the success comes in. Um, you know those to me are where the long-term relationships come into play, and and also where uh, you know where, where the most fruitful ones on all sides come into play. Ed, your industry seems to be changing at an incredibly fast pace. Um, in fact, if I recall correctly, uh, Endeavor. Uh, you're part of it right now, basically was formed just, what, in October of 2017. It was spun out Endeavor Global Marketing from the bigger part of the organization. Was that done to give you guys more flexibility, allow you to be more creative? What was the reason for that? Well, we we, we have uh, roughly about 700 people now that are uh, brand uh, strategy and creative focus. So, um, so what we what we did was took what was uh, some disparate parts of the organization worked together, but disparate parts of the organization, and have pulled all those together under the umbrella of uh, of Endeavor Global Marketing. So, the, those areas that I described earlier, you know, research and analytics and strategy and creative and uh, PR and uh, you know activation event uh, organization, uh, working with influencers, all of those marketing agency-like uh, um, you know, disciplines are all pulled together under Endeavor Global Marketing. Um, but for our, for our clients, and I, you know, I mentioned some of who they are, the AB InBevs, the Visas, you know, Marriott, the Kias, uh, USAAs, HSBCs of the world, 
um, really the benefit for them in this changing environment, you know, changing marketplace where it's no longer just about the 30-second spot. It's really about, you know, experiences and creating great content. Um, those clients get so much benefit from the rest of the 6,000 people or so that make up the broader Endeavor marketing place. So, uh, you know, we, we've got people that are just, you know, so deep in expertise in sports or fashion or film or television. And, and we as Endeavor Global Marketing have the incredible luxury of having colleagues that know more about culture uh, than, you know, anybody else on the planet. So if you're a marketer, you know, the benefit of doing uh, work with us is the fact that, you know, you, you get the smart and creative thinking, but you really get this deep knowledge that is literally across all areas of, you know, sports and entertainment. Ed, as, as you know, we've, you've mentioned a few times cultural, your cultural and how that's not the way it was, you know, several years ago. Has that uh, impacted the type of people you hire? You know, people that are more now in tune to what's going on culturally uh, and all the things related to that. You know, when I think of culturally, you know, my mind even goes to like a smartphone and, and, and how personal they are right now and their capabilities. But I, I would imagine the type of person you hire today is is in many ways different than the type of person you would have probably hired just five years ago? It's such a great question. And, and the answer is you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, we, the people that uh, are now part of our organization are people that are curious across all forms of culture, right? So, um, you know, we need to make sure that the people that we hire understand brands, they understand how to think about brands, understand what brands need to accomplish. But the flip side of that is they also need to have a curiosity across all things, you know, that are evolving, you know, in our marketplace. And, you know, to me, it's it's interesting because there's terminology in the entertainment agent, in the entertainment world uh, about uh, multi-hyphenates, where, uh, you know, an actor is also a producer, is also a philanthropist, uh, you know, is a business person as well. And, and I've got this belief that so are consumers. Consumers are multi-hyphenates also. And you and I may be hockey fans, but, you know, I also like to eat, so I'm a food fan, and I love film as well. And as we increasingly work with brands to be able to satisfy the needs of their, of their consumers, of their target audience, we, we need to think about it less in a linear way. You know, it's not here's a sports program or here's a fashion program. It, it, it's got to be done, developed, created, and executed in a way that really is more reflective of how a consumer lives their life and how they think about things, you know, as opposed to, you know, just one-dimensional. So that's why, to me, you know, the notion of a sports marketing agency or an entertainment marketing agency, all those disciplines are important, but we believe that the thread of culture throughout all of that is the most important, and that's why the people who, you know, who work here and who we hire really need to be able to travel across that cultural spectrum. How did the company change Endeavor? I think, as you mentioned, it was uh, WME at the time, when it acquired IMG four years ago. I mean, it was a big deal. It was over $2 billion, and it, and it seemed to really just shake the industry and, and, and send everybody either looking for somebody to buy or merging with, trying to merge somebody, you know, to get to that differentiation you were talking about earlier. Everybody seems to be trying to find that right now in your industry. Yeah, uh, it, it's been remarkable. Uh, you know, the, the vision that uh, you know, Ari Emanuel and, and Patrick Weitzel and uh, Mark Shapiro leading the organization have had for this company is, um, it, to me, is nothing short of, of remarkable. And you know, I'm, a, I'm a hardened New Yorker, so I don't necessarily 
drink the the Kool-Aid so easily, but, uh, you know, being part of an organization that really has begun to transform how people think about media companies. You know, in, in large regard, we, we, we are a media company or, you know, content, certainly. And, you know, if you look back even just a few short years ago where uh, we probably owned maybe 20% or 30% of, of the things that we were involved with, that's now been largely changed so that I think we're almost 60-40 in terms of what we own and operate versus what we actually represent. So you think about the UFC or PBR, uh, the Freeze Art uh, uh, Art Fair, culinary festivals we own, tennis tournaments, golf tournaments, you know, all of those uh, types of events and opportunities. The, the, the reason why all that makes sense is because you can control it and you can bring brands into it in ways that perhaps you know, otherwise wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be possible. And, and I think, Mike, that's how the organization has changed to the point where we are such a, uh, a diverse organization, but at the core of all of it, it's the fact that, you know, content and, and media and experiences, you know, in the broadest way that you can talk about them are really what consumers are after now. And, you know, we think we're perfectly positioned uh, to be able to take advantage of, of you know, sort of that, that new model, where, as I said, you know, it's not necessarily just about what the 30-second spot looks like. It's all of the other stuff that surrounds it. Yeah, and, and just for our beer drinkers listening to the show, PBR is not Pabst Blue Ribbon. It's professional bull riding, right? That's, that, that's that, is, sure that, we, that, that, sure that is right. There's that. a lot of beer drinking that yeah. goes on uh, around that event I, as well. You know, that, so. I, you know, PBR is phenomenal. I, I went, I think the last time was four years ago. I went down Oklahoma City and for our TV show, Forbes Sports Money, which is on the Yes Network, you know, Ed, you got to forgive me. I have to do a little self-promo here, too. So I'm going to get this in quick. But we got to go to an event. And one thing I can say is those guys riding those bulls are crazy. I mean, those guys are out of their minds to sit on those things. Those bulls are huge, and they're ticked off from the beginning. But it's, it, it was packed. Very hot event. It, it's, uh, it's amazing. And, and I think for those that aren't as, as knowledgeable about it, you, you just mentioned it, Mike, which is, there's really two athletes in, in, in the event. There's the rider and there's the bull. And it really is, you know, you think about great storytelling, right? Heroes and villains, the black hat, the white hat. And, and PPR really has all of that. And, you know, you, you determine who you think is the, you know, is the white hat or the black hat, the bull or, or the rider, but just incredible athletes and such a compelling property. And, you know, there's an example also of how the Endeavor Network has been able to, you know, to, to add fuel to what PBR is all about. So, you know, taking a rider like a Bonner Bolton, for example, who's one of the top riders, he actually got hurt, his career was over, yet our model group had uh, begun to work with him to be able to create opportunities for Bonner. He then was able to uh, participate in Dancing with the Stars, where his profile was raised even higher, and he's now become a celebrity unto himself. So, you know, that's a great example of when I talk about, you know, how we connect the dots across culture, how... Um, brands, properties that, that are connected within, you know, what we do at Endeavor, you know, really can benefit in ways that, you know, I'm, I guess I'm biased at this point, but really almost no other organization in the world, uh, you know, can really do. You know, uh, just going back to what you were touching on about having greater ownership in the properties you work with, it, it makes me think a little bit about what sports teams, or those that could anyway, have done with their local broadcasting rights, in other words, taking equity in, and controlling the regional sports networks, whether it be, you know, like the Cubs, 
with the local station Comcast as the White Sox and Chicago Bulls own a piece of it, or the New York Yankees and the Yes Network, and you have much greater control of the brand. But at the other side, I imagine you know there's a huge upside because you have that ability to do that, or you're taking on that equity, that ownership. But on the other hand, you know you got to deliver. I mean, the pressure's on you now because you're not just getting a, a, a simple fee. This is your baby as well. You know, there's a lot of incentive, I imagine, there to also succeed. There, there is no doubt. Listen, with with uh, with risk, uh, you know, comes the pressure uh, to you know, as you say, to uh, to deliver on that. And and I think you, you know, your team analogy is a great one, right? I mean, you and I can think back to days not all that long ago where the team was typically just a tenant in the stadium or in the arena. And now, as you talk about, you know, the fact that teams very often now, you know. Own, own the environment they're playing in. They own the arena. They own the stadium. You know, they, they either own or have a piece of uh, the regional network. They might own the ticketing company. They might own the licensing company. You know, they might own now the NHL and the NBA team, and now maybe an esports team or, you know, a WNBA team, so that, you know, there, there is the content, right, the content that plays within, you know, the the hardware, if you will, that's the stadium, uh, you know, or, or the arena. So I, I think you're right on in terms of that analogy where, you know, it creates opportunities for greater, you know, efficiencies, greater opportunities. And when you get it right, you know, just the upside becomes that much bigger. So can you help me clear up two terms, please, as, as simply can you, can, as you can for a, for a Jersey guy like me that I'd like to know? Uh, one would be activation. What exactly does that mean? And, and could you please give me a, a, an anecdotal uh, you know, example of that, what that is. And then also, one thing I've always had a hard time wrapping my arms around is, how do guys like you measure ROI, return on investment, to know whether or not uh, a program you've developed has met your goals? Yeah, well, for, for all, I'll do, since you and I are both Jersey guys, the activation piece, it's simply, it, it's, it's producing stuff, Mike. It's, it's the event on the ground. It's uh, USAA at the Army-Navy game and you know, the things that they might do uh, in and around, uh, and around the game. It's what we're actually doing with Marriott uh, around, uh, around Super Bowl this year, which is Marriott uh, takes over a, um, uh, a suite in the stadium where a fan actually is able to uh, have the experience of a completely decked out suite that turns into a Marriott uh, hotel room, and they wake up in the morning of, of the game and they're actually in the stadium. We, we've now brought that to a different level with Marriott, where there's a, a essentially a 4D dome that'll be at the Mall of America that uh, that allows fans to go into that dome and experience what it would be like to be that fan in the uh, in the uh, in the stadium in that room. So it's just a fancy way of saying the the experience that comes uh, that, that comes with the event. So um, you know, not not uh, not really all that uh, all that complicated. I think we sometimes as marketers overcomplicate things. So, um, so when I'm home on the weekend and my wife gives me that list of things she wants me to do, as I'm doing those things, I'm activating, right? I'm, that's that's you, the activation. You are an event okay. activation okay. guy okay. at that point. Okay. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Okay. Um, and, and then, you know, to your second point in terms of, of, uh, of measurement, you know, becoming so important now. It, you know, before the stakes were so high, before the, the fees and the marketing expenditures were so high, you know, people paid and marketers paid less attention to, hey, what am I really getting out of this, right? Because if you're, if you're running a 30-second spot, you know, there's, there's measurement in place, uh, you know, Nielsen or otherwise, to be able to measure against that. 
in you know the content experiences activation world you know it, it's always been increasingly hard to be able to do that we, we as an organization have invested heavily in research and as a matter of fact we've got half a dozen people that that's their job they use all kinds of measurement tools uh, you know equivalents of what you know, an on-site presence might look like if you equated that to media, um, you know, what it looks like on social, what's the social conversation, what are people talking about. They take all of those aspects and others and be able to bring that together to be able to essentially put a number against it. So, you know, Mr. Brand Marketer, you spent $1, and, you know, we were able to prove out uh, if it's successful that, you know, you spent a dollar, but you got $2 or $3 worth of uh, worth of value. So, you know, the buzzwords of ROO or ROI, you know, really that's about, hey, did I make a smart investment or did I throw money away? And we'll be right back after this quick break. Support for the Forbes Sports Money podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution. Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage you get a transparent, online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com Forbes. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Every bunny loves honey-glazed carrots. A great side dish for your springtime celebration and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Your Bloody Mary bar will be the talk of brunch with the vodka I'm stalking. Pile those toppings sky high. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine & More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! With social media now, you know, uh, whether you're talking about, you know, Twitter or Facebook or what have you, Snapchat, I mean, it seems to me like it would be almost impossible to capture all that. I mean, you, you must have, uh, you know, full-time people who are out there measuring this and seeing what... Do you, do you also try to uh, encourage it? In other words, if, if you have a program, I know uh, Anheuser-Busch is one of your clients... If, if you have a program with them, you know, like as journalists, for example, if I do a story, you know, I'll try to tweet it and get it to certain people that I hope will retweet it so that more people get to see it and I get more more followers. Uh, do you do stuff like that as well to try to uh, get more involvement in your programs and the people you're working with? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it used to be that before the event of social media, if there was an event happening in one location, you know, the the 10,000 or 20,000 or, you know, 200 people that showed up at that event were the ones that truly experienced it, right? And, you know, hopefully it was a photographer taking a few photos. Now, uh, you know, everything that we do is built on the premise of we want it to be so compelling, so interesting, you know, so cool 
that people that are at that event are going to want to share it socially through their uh, through their you know their own social channels, their Instagram feed, or what they're doing on Facebook or what they're doing on Twitter. Um, and and we increasingly also uh, have a whole stable of uh, of influencers that we work with that have huge followers. You know, there's people that you know you or I might not think of as household names, but that have enormous social following. So when we have the opportunity to engage an influencer like that that then is going to turn around and you know push a message out uh, through their own social channels. Now, this podcast, our chat's going to, I think, come out uh, about three or four days before the Super Bowl. Uh, we've touched on Marriott. I believe you're also uh, working with Anheuser-Busch InBev, USAA, and Visa for the Super Bowl. Is there any tease you could sort of give us about what your plans are and you know what we might expect in terms of activation with those clients? Yeah, sure. You know, Super Bowl is still, you know, one of the the, the greatest uh, you know of events on the planet for marketers to be able to, uh, you know, to really be able to take advantage of. At the same time, as you know, there's tons of clutter. You know, it's 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 hard to be able to uh, you know to get get your message out in, in a way that uh, you know that really is compelling. So you know, that's that's what we do. So you know, whether it's uh, you know, Visa leveraging the relationships that they have and uh, and their payment systems. You know, Marriott. I mentioned uh, you know the uh, the program that they do with uh, with a fan and uh, you know in uh, in the stadium. Um, uh, you know, AB InBev is doing a lot from a uh, from a uh, consumer perspective, charitable perspective, um, making sure that you know the message of responsible drinking is uh, is out there as well. Uh, and USAA has been an enormous partner of uh, of the NFL. Uh, the salute to service program, which I think they've become synonymous with, uh, you know, is a, is a key part of what they do to be able to differentiate themselves and separate them from uh, from the rest of the pack. So, you know, those are a few of the clients that uh, we work with uh, around uh, around the NFL and uh, you know around Super Bowl. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think Minneapolis, you know, as a cold weather market, it always makes it interesting. But I think it's going to be a terrific market for uh, for the game. How are things going at Under Armour? I, I know that you've had some programs with them, but that, that you talk about uh, an industry that's evolving. I mean, the athletic apparel market, I mean, just, all you have to do is look at the stock prices. You know, one, one, one six-month period, they're way up. The next six-month period, they're way down. Um, Under Armour was hot as heck for a long, long time. Now it seems to be Adidas and Under Armour struggling. Um, how are things going with them, and, and what do you see as the solution? Because they're, they're going through a tough time right now. Yeah, you know, it, it, it ebbs and flows. They've got a very strong management team. Uh, I think, you know, in large regard, they're uh, they're focusing in on those things that are core to the business, you know, including the, you know, really the apparel and, and footwear. Um, you know, a, a lot of uh, what Under Armour has, I think, benefited from over time is being uh, quick and nimble and making quick decisions, and, and I think you're gonna you're gonna see that out of uh, out of Under Armour as as they sort of uh, reset. They've had some uh, some recent management changes, um, but it you know it's a fickle market. You know the shoe market is obviously very fickle as well. Um, you know the consumer is a different consumer now. Uh, you know what uh, what what you or I might have uh, you know as as younger guys might have looked at in terms of. You know the the apparel we want to wear, the shoes that we want to wear. It's a different mindset now. You know the millennial Gen Z audiences, uh, you know, have have a different perception of what they want to be connected to. 
we increasingly are also seeing that brands that stand for something that really have a component of social responsibility and are authentic in what they do, uh, you know, those are the brands that seem to win. And, uh, you know, I think the, the shoe and apparel brands like an Under Armour are, are really getting back to, you know, some of those basics. Yeah, when I think of apparel and how fast it changes, I, my, I always go back to that scene in the movie The Last Boy Scout. I don't know if you ever saw it, but Bruce Willis is sort of the, you know, the, the grubby, uh, police officer, and he's sitting next to Damon Waynes, who's a, a, I think it was former player who he's worked with, and they're sitting there in, in the detective's office waiting to go inside. And Waynes has got the uh, leather pants on, and Bruce Willis has got these beaten up khakis. And Bruce Willis is like, "How much do pants like that go for?" And, and Waynes like, five hundred dollars." He goes, five hundred dollars." He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "They're pants." He goes, "Yep." He goes, you put them on. He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "They don't come with a TV or nothing, you know." It's not, no. Hey, before I let you go, Ed. What is the most favorite aspect of your job right now? You know, what do you enjoy most? Yeah, you know, I, there, there's all kinds of cliches. I guess yeah. I could, I could, you know, come to. Now nah, you're a hockey guy. No cliches from yeah, former you know, refs. For, I, really, I want to know. Really, to me, Mike is um, we are this, and I'll talk specifically now about an Endeavor. We're this global company that, on the one hand, is you know more than six thousand people around the world. So you could say it's a big company, yet on the other hand, the entrepreneurial spirit that was the start of, you know, Endeavor, you know, years ago uh, permeates the company. So, you know, the fact that I get the ability every day to be able to be part of an organization that is really pushing boundaries, is not afraid to take risks, is willing to, uh, you know, to, to be out in front and maybe even sometimes not everything work out exactly as you'd want. But, but doesn't stop. So to me, that's the best part of my job. I'm involved in a global business that touches all these areas of culture that I described. You know, I, I say to anybody that'll listen all the time, if, if you want to be in this industry, I'm not sure where else you'd want to be. So I'm uh, honestly feeling pretty fortunate uh, at this point in my career to be part of uh, the, the organization that I am. And do and you think we're going to see a lot more consolidation in your industry as, as we move forward? Uh, a lot of the smaller agencies being gobbled up? Well, I, I think what you're going to see and continue to see is is those that can control and own the content. Again, content broadly spoken. I think those are the organizations that are really going to be, um, you know, those that are going to be on, on the top of the list for the long term. So I, I, I think you know some of those smaller organizations that don't have the ability to compete as well, um, you know, pr- probably are uh, are going to need to you know look at a different model. That's very interesting. Great stuff, Ed, and and you were so gracious to give us so much of your time. I I really appreciate it. Uh, That's Ed Horn, everyone, the EVP of Endeavor Global Marketing. Ed, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Mike. Always good to talk to you. That's it for this episode of Forbes Sports Money. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a comment or question, Please email us at sportsmoney at podcastone.com. That's O-N-E dot com. Hi, I'm Danny LaRue, host of Real GM Radio, where every week I go in-depth on NBA basketball through conversations with some of the brightest basketball minds out there, including Kevin Pelton, Nate Duncan, Chris Herring, Tim Bontemps, and team experts from all around the league. 
We try to separate the truth from the noise for players, teams, and NBA draft prospects alike with a focus on the basketball itself. If you want to know what is coming next in the NBA and why, there is no better place to turn than the weekly episodes of Real GM Radio. You can find us exclusively at podcastonesports.com, the new Podcast One app, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. Every bunny loves honey glazed carrots, a great side dish for your springtime celebration, and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Your Bloody Mary bar will be the talk of brunch with the vodka I'm stalking. Pile those toppings sky high. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine and More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.